Hello, and welcome to the Scriptures Are Real podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about elements of the scriptures that have made them become more real to us so that we can draw more power out of them. I'm your host, Carrie Mielstein, and I hope you'll bear with me as my voice is largely gone, but we'll see what we can do here. This is going to be, very sadly, our last episode on Isaiah. I have loved studying Isaiah with you. I've found so much joy and power in it. It's just been a wonderful experience. But in this short cast, we're going to try and sum up Isaiah by reading from chapter 65. We'll start at the very end of chapter 64, which is a prayer or a, a, a pleading prayer from Israel. So think of this as being from you. Think of it as being from Israel. We want to think of the historical context, but also uh, about it being from you. So we'll read in verse 9 of chapter 64. Be not wroth, very sore, O Lord, neither remember iniquity forever. Behold, see, we beseech thee. We are all thy people. So they're saying, can, please don't be mad at us forever. Please forgive us. Please, we are yours. Forgive us. The holy cities are a wilderness. Zion is a wilderness. Jerusalem, a desolation. Our holy and our beautiful house, where our fathers praise thee, is burned up with fire, and all our pleasant things are laid waste. Wilt thou refrain thyself from for these things, O Lord? Wilt thou hold thy peace and afflict us very sore? So this is speaking about the the temple in in the literal or in the, the earliest context about the temple being destroyed. Is this Isaiah himself? looking forward and prophesying about that. it's That seems very likely and very possible. Isaiah certainly could and did see the future and could uh, and often did speak as if um, what uh, he knew was going to happen had already happened. It's also possible this is added by someone later uh, as, as a kind of an addendum to what Isaiah had written, like Mormon adds uh, to things later and so on. In the end, I don't know, and it doesn't matter very much to me. But you see the point. They're saying we know we have, and we all say this in some ways at some point, we know we've done wrong, and we see the results of that. This is the Lord's answer in chapter 65. I am sought of them that ask not for me, I am found of them that sought me not. So he's saying, finally, you came back for me. For so long, I asked you to seek after me, and you never would. And now, finally, you are coming back to me. I said, behold me, behold me into a nation that was not called by my name. So I kept asking them, please, please come to me. And they wouldn't. I have spread out my hands. That's a gesture of supplication. All the day unto a rebellious people, which walketh in a way that was not good, after their own thoughts. Oh, how that describes us so often. We're going after our own thoughts or the ways of the world. God is pleading for us to listen, and we're listening to the world instead. He continues to describe Israel in Isaiah's day or around that time period and in our day. A people that provoketh me to anger continually to my face, that sacrificeth in gardens and burneth incense upon altars of brick. So they're not doing things where and when he's asked. Uh, really, they're doing things in a way that the world is asked. Uh, which remain among the graves and lodge in the monuments, which eat swine's flesh and broth of abominable things is in their vessels. So they're not keeping the law he's asked them to, is what he's saying. Which say, stand by thyself, come not near me, for I am holier than thou. So they don't really want God to come. They feel fine on their own, all right? 
We're going to skip to verse seven. Your iniquities and the iniquities of your fathers together, saith the Lord, which have burned incense upon the mountains and blaspheme me upon the hills. Therefore, will I measure their former work into their bosom? So he said, you've you've done all sorts of bad stuff as I was asking you not to. And so bad things have happened to you. Verse eight, thus saith the Lord, as the new wine is found in the cluster and one saith, destroy it not for a blessing is in it. So will I do for my servant's sake that I might not destroy them all. So he's saying, just like someone says, oh, don't don't ruin those grapes. We can make wine from it. He's saying, okay, I will make good things come from you. Uh, from scattered and rebellious Israel, I will work with you again until good things comes from scattered and rebellious me and you, an Israelite individual, a covenant individual. And I will bring forth a seed out of Jacob and out of Judah, an inheritor of my mountains, and mine elect shall inherit it, and my servant shall dwell there. And Sharon shall be a fold of flocks, and the valley of Achor a place for herds to lie down in. Those are two places that he has said would not produce anything earlier. For my people that have sought me. But ye are they that forsake the Lord, that forgot my holy mountain. So he's reminding us, man, I've worked with you for so long, and it's been so hard. And he describes that for several more verses. But now we get down to verse uh, 17. And note how we keep going through this cycle, the way that the whole book of Isaiah has gone through this cycle. I know you're seeking me, but you've done poorly. I'm going to accept you back, but man, I've had to humble you. All right, so now. Verse 17, for behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. So he's going to create everything anew. Let's not worry about the things we've done wrong. He will create everything anew. There shall be no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man that hath not filled his days. For the child shall die in a hundred years old, but the sinner being in a hundred years shall also be a curse. So this is in some ways, I mean, maybe it's talking about the millennium, but I think what it's really talking about is abundance imagery or when God makes everything good. Verse 21, except for not for the sinner. Verse 21, and they shall build houses and inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. They shall not build and another inhabit, they shall not plant and another eat. That has happened to them when they build and then an army comes through and kicks them out and, and they take their houses and they take their food. But that's not going to happen anymore. Instead, they will be plenteous, numerous, prosperous. They will do all these things, and it will work for them. 23, they shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth for trouble, for they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together, and the lion shall eat straw like the bullock, and dust shall be the serpent's meat. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountains, saith the Lord. I have no idea if that's literal in the millennium or not. Uh, it's In some ways, this is certainly about the millennium, but it's, it's imagery that Isaiah uses to create a picture of peace and unity with God, clear communion with God and peace. What a beautiful, beautiful idea. The idea is that when we finally come back to God, and it may be hard when we stray, it may be hard, but he is ready to accept us back. And when we do, I'll read it one more time, verse 24, which I love. Before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. This is the message of Isaiah. If I were to sum up Isaiah, I would say that Isaiah speaks more than anything about covenant and redemption. And a redemption, of course, is through Christ. 
And so we could say covenant, Christ, and redemption. He speaks about it again and again and again. Part of the uh, one important aspect of the covenant is that when we break it, he will humble us to have us turn back to him. But he will always accept us back. He will show us chesed as uh, President Nelson has so aptly been talking about lately. And so I would encourage you to remember that the major message of Isaiah is that when you stray, come back and keep the covenant again. And when you do so, you will be redeemed because of Christ and because God wants to keep his covenant. And that's why he sent Christ. So you will be redeemed. And then when you have come to approach God in that way, before you call, he will answer. And while he is yet speaking, or while you are yet speaking, he will hear. That's the beautiful message of Isaiah. What a beautiful it's the beautiful message of the gospel of that. And when I say of Isaiah, that God has his servant Isaiah speak to us and that I hope we will speak to everyone so that then everyone can come to Christ and Christ can bring us all to the Father and we can have true union and communion. What a wonderful, wonderful message.